Good morning, everyone. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. So glad you could be with us today. Early fall is one of the best times to be a cook. If you love fresh ingredients, the farmer's markets are still full of summer crops like tomatoes, green beans, cucumbers, and sweet corn. And the fall bounty is just coming in. I'm thinking of apples and sweet potatoes. For Chef Lachelle Cunningham, the harvest fires up her imagination. It's where healthy and flavorful meals start. Lachelle has been sharing her culinary creativity in the Twin Cities for more than 20 years now. She was founding executive chef for several years at Breaking Bread Cafe in North Minneapolis, where she developed many of the signature dishes. She runs a catering business, Shell's Kitchen, inspired by the culinary traditions of Black Americans. Personally, I'm very excited this hour to hear about her coconut cornbread. A few years ago, she started an education and training business called Healthy Roots Institute to train people in culinary skills and running a food business. Maybe you've seen her offering some grilling tips on local television stations or or taken one of her cooking and foraging workshops or retreats. And if that wasn't enough, Lachelle is the interim director of the Frogtown Farm in St. Paul, where you will find her outside in the gardens firing up some wood fire pizza this weekend. This hour, Chef Lachelle Cunningham is here in the studio with me to get us all excited about growing and making some good food. Good morning, Lachelle. Thank you for coming in. Good morning. Yes, you're giggling about that cornbread, but I'm serious. I want the recipe. Okay, I got you. Okay, so uh, I love that you love food. So do I. So I want to know what is it about cooking and working with food that makes you happy? Man, that is so like there's so many layers to that. Okay, Mm -hmm. so just first of all, I, I, I tell people, you know, as a kid, it's one of the ways I used to play was picking like leaves and clovers and grass and things and like putting them on my mom's front steps and like using sticks and acting like I was making like a like a stir fry or a salad or something as like that as a child as a child and so yeah who knew that was going to be like the precursor to my career <laughs> right. but um yeah just touching you know just the tactical piece around touching the food and connecting with it like that's the first piece of it right and then being able like the creative piece of that and how I can take this and transform Form it into something that looks cool, looks mm-hmm. good, but is like super delicious. And of course, I'm big on, you know, uh, uh, using fresh vegetables and, and having that kind of nutritious aspect to it. And so, you know, being able to create something, uh, uh, tap into that creative outlet for myself, but think preparing something for someone else that they get to actually Aww. take your art, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and consume it. And then not only do they like take it and nourish it like you're nourishing their body, but also like it creates a memory. It creates this connection. Right. And so that's, you know, and we can take that even further, like when we can grow our food together and we can harvest it together and we can cook it together, break bread together, eat together, like build that community. Like I'm getting chills right now just talking (laughs) about it. Like that's that's what makes me happy about food is like what we can build together. And the adventure of it. Like, well, what if I. If, if I combine these two flavors, exactly. these two items, what would that do? Absolutely. And then being able to experiment. Uh, uh, that is that is my style. 
right. cooking. And do you like feedback from people when you try a new recipe? Always. Yeah. I always ask. I ask. <laughs> I will cook the same dish for people and always ask them. And they're like, you know, because some people are like kind of sarcastic. Like, well, what do you think? Of course. Of course. You know, and I'm like, they're surprised that I really want the genuine feedback. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I follow your adventures uh, with cooking on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. So I know you've been busy uh, encouraging people uh, to join you as you learn more about harvesting wild food. So first of all, what is wild food? (laughs) Well, it's anything that we didn't plant, uh, you know, intentionally. Intentionally. So Mm -hmm. we're not cultivating it. It it grew wild. Now there's there's indigenous plants that, you know, were originated in this area. And then there's invasive plants that have been brought over through different aspects of, of, you know, Mm -hmm. communities uh, interacting with each other and of course, colonization and all that. So I'm just exploring that. But yeah, anything that's in the wild now, there's some, you know, there's some guidelines around how you don't want to just go out on the boulevard and just start picking stuff (laughs) off of (laughs) that could be dangerous. That could be dangerous. Yeah. So, you know, you got to have, have some mindfulness to it. You got to kind of learn about the, the process of foraging is what we call that um, when we're going out into nature and picking wild or harvesting wild food for um, nutrition, culinary purposes and or medicine. And so your interest in foraging comes from where? Just wanting to try something new and different or man it's it's like the next obsession that i had <laughs> besides cooking right the the next obsession for me now i you know i'm getting into the hunting thing i feel like that's the the other next level but with um, what really inspired or just gets me excited about is I love nature. Like I've mm-hmm. always loved nature as a child and um, have had the the uh, fortune of being able to go camping. And my dad took us fishing when I was a kid and we had a uh, um, a cabin in up in northern Minnesota. And then we had, um, you know, as I got older, <clears throat> We'll go camping with friends and things like that. And then I ended up in the Boundary Waters back in 2015 with uh, uh, an organization called Modern Carnivores run by Mark Norquist. He brought me up there. We did a like a docu-series about this trip of three chefs going up into the Boundary Waters. Two of us were uh, <laughs> new to it and mm-hmm. one, of them, one of them was an experienced sportsman. And so we, all three of us chefs went up week. Uh, canoed, portage, camped, fish, cooked, and it was a. There's a docu series you can find it out there. I'm that like, sounds Ugh. cool. Yeah, called Fish Out of Water. So that really got me. And when we were on that trip, the chef um, Lucas, he was a for is a forager, and so we ended up, I think, foraging some um, mushrooms, and then we ended up cooking with those. And so that really like kind of piqued my interest in the foraging and just exploring nature even more. I was already really into being a chef. I was already in herbalism from a ch- from childhood because my mom had this home remedies book that I would um, go to for whatever ailment I might have had as a kid. Nothing too crazy, but definitely kind of found out that I could heal myself naturally and and use you know, nature as a tool. So, and is that mm-hmm. how you learned how to cook? Does your, your love story with food begin when you were a kid? It does begin when I was a kid. I mean, watching my, my parents, my parents were divorced, but watching them cook in their different styles. My dad, my mom, definitely traditional, like recipe chef, you know, cook, um, always had the little recipe box or cookbooks mm-hmm. that she was kind of referencing. And so I learned about that kind of 
order of operations. And she was always like, oh, you need to be clean, clean as you go. Of course, I was not good at that until I went to culinary school. I was pretty messy. But my dad's being the spice king. He had all the spices in our cabinet. And, you know, there's some signature dishes that he would make that, um, you know, still are in my memory. And then my um, stepmom that I grew up with, she, um, her name was Jeannie. Her name is Jeannie. And she would like she was an improv cook. That's what I would say. She would go into the kitchen. You would go in there and be like, there's nothing in here. And then all of a sudden she would go in and like no measuring tools, just yeah. pulling things together. Yeah. Right. She's the one who taught me. Like I always think of, she put peanut butter on chicken and that just kind of opened. Like she made this peanut butter chicken over rice with like spinach or something like that. And it just kind of was like, Oh wow, you can do that. This right. Awakening. There's no, yeah. there's no limits. Right. And so, you know, many of us, including myself, um, we, we have gotten so used, to uh, prepared foods, even when you go to the grocery store, like mm-hmm. so many of the steps now are already done for you, right? Uh, which is great because it, it saves time. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of us have gotten away from, you know, using fresh ingredients or as, as we like to say, cooking from scratch. Right. But what do you think we're missing out on when we don't have the time and opportunity and the resources to, to cook from scratch? Absolutely. I mean... <laughs> A lot um, because, you know, when we do buy processed foods, there's a lot of additives, preservatives, Mm -hmm. salt, sugar, fat that's added in that might not be necessary. Right. And then, you know, we're doing preservatives. We're doing um, all kinds of different things to the food. Right. Genetically Mm -hmm. modifying it and all this kind of stuff that maybe I'm not, you know, I'm not a a scientist, but I got to say, you know, is that as nutritious as if we're cooking from something that we picked from our own garden, right? And so, and not necessarily do you always have to pick it from your garden to cook from scratch, but I think that that's an opportunity that um, can, you know, really connect us more with um, like being able to be in tune with what our bodies need, right? Mm-hmm. And what we need as people. And, and the simplicity it. of it. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. nowhere near your level of cooking, but even like last night, I was making some pasta dish. I'm like, oh, let me. I let made me pasta s- last night too. Did you? I'm sure yours is better. <laughs> let me step out here and get a, a few basil leaves. Mm-hmm. I was so proud of myself. Exactly. <laughs> but yes. I threw that in there and it just, it elevated the flavor. Absolutely. Like, so much. Absolutely. Right? That simple step. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we're talking with Twin City chef Lachelle Cunningham about cooking and using fresh ingredients. And I want to hear from you too. I know you all like to cook also. Mm-hmm. When you are in the kitchen, do you love trying new things? Tell us about your improv cooking success. Mm-hmm. And what do you want to ask Chef Lachelle about growing, gathering, preserving, and making flavorful food? Give us a call. Here's the number 651 651- Two two seven six thousand. Again, that's six five one two two seven six thousand. You can also call us at eight hundred two four two twenty eight twenty eight. As we talk about uh, this time of the year, the fall harvest. So, what's out yeah. there right now um, that we should be looking for? Man, uh, it's so bountiful right now. I mean, everything's coming out. Everything's popping right now. The tomatoes, the cucumbers, the eggplants, the squash are going to start really popping this fall. Right, that we're getting into the fall season of apples and pears and mm-hmm. and squash and and all of those things but we're still also you know enjoying the bounty of like our our summer uh fruits and vegetables so i never know what to do with the eggplant what do you, <laughs> what do, you do with those? i mean there's a lot my favorite honestly my favorite way to thing to do with eggplant is to shave it really thin with like a peeler or a mandolin and then season it with some sort of flavor profile that I want, whether it's curry or it's, um, you know, sriracha or something like that. And then I roast them so they become mm-hmm. eggplant chips. That's probably my favorite mm-hmm. way to do it. I mean, it's like a lot in of, the oven, you roast, yeah, them, in roast the oven. them in the oven. Yeah, I can also you can dehydrate them that way, too. 
Um, and then there's, of course, everybody's go-to with eggplant. It's probably like the eggplant parmesan. Right. Or, you can find those recipes easily. Yep. Yep. Right. Or there's baba ganoush, which is like that, the um, Middle Eastern kind of dip where you char the the um, eggplant and then you kind of blend it up with some spices. And, and what about the tomatoes? Everybody has like this this excess of tomatoes. Uh, yeah. advice, we have too many tomatoes. What do you do with all of them? Well, that's funny. Today I'm doing a cooking workshop um, at one o'clock, a virtual one with Hennepin County, and we're doing fried green tomatoes for that one. So I know about that. Yeah. So of course, when they're green, now when they start to ripen, I mean, there's so many things you can do. You can do you now my mom, you know, what my mom used to do was um, they would uh, uh, pop the skins off, right? They would blanch them and then peel the skins off, and then she would just freeze them. As That's what my grandfather tomatoes. did. Yes, yeah, we would yes. freeze tomatoes, yep. and in the wintertime, we'd have tomato soup. Tomato soup, whatever you need tomatoes for, you can pretty much take them out and and use them and so when you have the big bounty like that's one of the you can also do sun-dried tomato or you know dehydrate them you can make sauce you can make sauce and then canning it salsas canning um mm-hmm. you know lots of different great ways i love to make i have this kind of simple tomato sauce that i make that i pretty much can use universally from pizza to pasta to all these different applications so i like to and then just put it in up. a can. Yep, you can can it, you can freeze it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, apples. We even, like the the farm where I grew up in Virginia, we had apple trees. And we would, I remember slicing apples and then freezing them. Yeah. And then we would make like pies. baked apples mm-hmm. or yep. pies. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Applesauce. Applesauce all through yep. the wintertime. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of the <laughs> apples are so bountiful that it's like you got to give a lot of those away <laughs> as well. But, mm-hmm. um, but definitely like all the different ways that you can you can utilize apples and and you know whenever we can eat something that was locally harvested like it's it's just that much more better for us i think holistically and memories too even now Mm -hmm. i can tell i'm just i'm having all these flashbacks absolutely all of my child labor (laughs) processing food but uh that that was probably good for me uh let's take uh, some phone calls as we talk with uh twin city chef lachelle cunningham about uh cooking and and teaching cooking and learning about cooking and using fresh ingredients uh call us at 651-227- 6,000 or 800-242-2828. In Minneapolis, Constance is on the phone. Good morning, Constance. What do you want to ask or or share with us? Good morning. Hi. I love this conversation. Thank you so much for having it. I just wanted to point out, and I'm sure you will too, the importance of taking kids to the farmer's market and how it really opens up their appreciation for fresh veggies because they taste so much better. And they're more, they're super interested in all the colors and textures. And so I, when my daughter was younger, I used to give her, okay, so here's $20. um, And you get to buy whatever you want. And then we would go home and make something. And she's 13 now. And um, she loves cooking. She loves veggies. Um, she craves vegetables. Oh, I want a salad tonight. Oh, great. Let's, what? Let's do that. <laughs> um, and, you know, I don't think, I don't think that sort of habit comes from, um, you know, as your, as your guest pointed out from processed food. Um, you know, it, once it's a you different get your reaction, dressed, right? Yes. And they're going to eat veggies forever. And nobody stops liking veggies, but you can start enjoying them. Um, you know, once once you once you 
that once that's part of your daily life. Absolutely. And then another thing that I, um, excuse me, I'm sorry. Another thing that I did with my daughter to get her interested in cooking is buy her a kid-sized knife Hmm. and get her, like, chopping veggies early or with, like, a sharp, um, a sharper butter knife, you know, cutting the cucumbers and, you know, at a very young age, three, um, and, and how four. old is she now, she Constance? She's, she's 13. 13 now. And she cooks at yeah. home? She does. All right. Oh, and let me tell you, for the parents out there, there's nothing like not having to make dinner because when your kid does it for you, it's just so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great story. Very uh, rewarding. <laughs> thank you, Constance. So the farmer's market, uh, mm-hmm. so many communities across the state, several farmer's markets going. Um, mm-hmm. And so what what do you think about taking children and allowing them to experience it? What is What are we Absolutely. planning to see, so to speak? Absolutely. I mean, they should be seeing all of that. The farmer's market. I took my kids to the farmer's market in Minneapolis and the St. Paul farmer's market when they were little they loved the um you know they they have different vendors and i think they used to have these like little stuffed dragons that they would mm-hmm. <laughs> i just remember getting those and them being so excited and it's of like course a festival it, it's yeah a, it's, absolutely yeah. they they loved that um and definitely i think when it comes to the our our young people they need to be exposed to all of that not just I think even going deeper than, okay, we're at the farmer's market. Okay, you you know what the grocery store is like because maybe you've been there. You've been to the farmer's market. But, like, where does this stuff come from, too? Like, it's educational. You know, educational mm-hmm. of, of learning, like, okay, a pepper, yeah, it's at this market, but it actually grew from this plant, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, I've read, too, that, that you have said that being becoming a mother had a huge impact on how you viewed cooking. So, so what happened when you were pregnant and, and your kids were yeah. little that, that changed your cooking? Yeah, I got a superpower, as I like to say. I call it bionic smell. You know, when you become oh. pregnant, you have this physiological change where yes. your, uh, your smell, smell is very intense. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, some people is very like, it, you know, oh, I can't stand this or that. I wasn't, people probably had the worst smell to me, but everything else <laughs> I was just exploring. <laughs> and so it, it, so that, you know, um, a huge part of your taste buds has to do with your smell. And so that intensity of the smell really like heightened my palate. And I was able to just taste things. And it was like this explosion Mm -hmm. to where I couldn't, I had to start exploring flavors, flavor combinations, different things before, um, before that I would probably go to a restaurant. If I went there multiple times, I probably would get the same thing every time I went. Mm -hmm. And after that, I had to always get I had to try everything different, you know. And your your sons are grown men now, but well, you, yep, you're they're teenagers still. still oh, they're, yeah. oh, they're teenagers. Seventeen now. and nineteen. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. you are not grown men. You're right. still well. One's about to be twenty <laughs> in, uh, next Young week, man. but yeah. But, uh, do uh, do you think that experience? Do they have a you know that same adventure for food? Or are they open to eating all kinds of things? Yeah, I definitely open to eating all kinds of things, but they both have have. Um, you know, created their style and what things that they do and don't like. Like my older son, he's never liked raw tomatoes, like ever. Mm. So I had to, he cooked sauces, pizza sauce, tomato sauce. He liked that. Um, And now he's very much, I would say, heavily meat starch eater. Mm-hmm. Loves home, you know, whenever I'm cooking, they're like, I'm there, you know. Um, And my younger son, he's always been really into fruits and vegetables and like salads and things like that. Um, And he's, you know, he'll eat his meat and his starch, but he's very much a heavy fruit and and vegetable eater. But what's interesting about them is, you know, my older son, I would say he has more like, oh, I don't eat this or that. But he also um, 
is very like loves different cultural foods, like loves Ethiopian food, Indian food, African food, Latin food. Like he loves all of those things. My younger son, even though I think he explores like different nutritious food, he doesn't. He's not big he on like the cultural <laughs> foods. He's like, oh, you guys want to go there? I don't know. And do you still have your superpower? Your sense of I smell? do. I wow, do. I do. Yeah, I do. Mm. I mean, I may not be as strong right. as it was, but like a lot of things change when you become a mom. It's like right. your 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 instincts heighten because you're now in this protective right. mode and now in this nurturing mode where you need to you know protect your babies and you need to nourish them and find so you, food and all of that you started so. thinking very seriously like what am i putting in my body but also right. in, in my children's absolutely yeah. the only thing I, I retained from pregnancy was the appetite that did not change <laughs> yeah, um okay right. uh, let's take another phone call in plymouth uh let's talk to craig uh craig we're talking to lachelle cunningham about food what did you want uh, to share and and ask well first off chef lachelle i've got just started um I have some chicken soup, homemade chicken soup I'm making. I did some roastery chickens a week ago, and now I'm mm. taking the bones and stuff and making the broth. Yes. And I've got my meat left over, and I'm just going to run out to the garden and dig up some things for it. Mm. But you mentioned canning of soup, and I'm wondering, I've always froze it, and I kind of give it to my mother-in-law so that she has some. Mm-hmm. And um, But any ideas as far as canning it? I also have some other... Another question, you mentioned your homemade pasta. I'd like to see the recipe because I have this overabundance of tomato issues and I've made some pasta last week, pasta sauce. Pasta sauce. Canning okay. to, mm-hmm. Yeah, pasta sauce. And I've also been canning tomatoes mm. and I've been making my own salsa. It's like, I got to get rid of these damn things. That's <laughs> <laughs> a tomato problem. Okay, so first, I mean, all right, uh, what was your question about the chicken soup, uh, Craig? Can I, is there any good way to can it that I retain the flavor or should I just keep freezing it? Oh, okay. Thank um, you. You know, I, so the canning piece is something that I'm learning more about. There's a lot with the food safety piece of it, of, right. of you know, you're now preserving. Now, when it comes to certain things, I think the acidity levels in there have to be right and it has to be properly sealed through the canning process. So, so freezing it might be the best I thing. I think, you know, if you're new to canning, I might start with something that maybe doesn't have like the poultry in it or, you know, mm-hmm. maybe just the tomato sauce and start with that and kind of, um, but I would definitely, you know, get educated around the process of canning. So for now, I would stick to the freezing until you and then start practicing right experimenting a bit with the canning and understanding the food safety piece around that because I am a food safety instructor and that's definitely a piece like even when people manufacture um, you know canned products they have to really go through a rigorous process of how they are limiting bacteria growth and things like that so you do want to be careful. I talked about the many ways you're teaching people uh, how to cook Um, so is Healthy Roots Institute that's Mm -hmm. one example what is Healthy Roots Institute and what are you teaching? Uh, So Healthy Roots Institute is definitely a food centered like educational support services. So we have two different segments. Um, One is called the love of food. And that's where I really get to that's my that's where I love to be at, which is basically as much as I can get out to nature. So that's why we we, my business partner who teaches the herbalism classes with me, we created that piece of foraging and, you know, harvesting from the garden and then being able to get in the kitchen and cook together. So that's cooking workshops. And then we also do retreats where I'll stay overnight, do some workshops throughout the retreat. Overnight retreat to cook? 
Yeah, so a lot it. of times I mm-hmm. end up cooking for mm-hmm. the retreat people, mm-hmm. as you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But then some of the retreats, I actually do workshops where we cook together and I teach, you know, kind of a different format. And then when we're doing that type of retreat, we can do more. We can go out and forage. We can learn g- deeper dive than maybe a two to three hour cooking workshop. Where does this happen? Different locations? Different locations. Um, so the retreats, like I've got one coming up Um like Charleston Meadows out in um, Victoria, Minnesota. We've been to the acreage up in Osceola. I've traveled to, to mm-hmm. like Tybee Island and, well, I'm sorry, where we so, go, Hilton Head and, and different places. Yep. And who are the people uh, taking these classes? Um, so when it comes to the retreats, it's usually more like a private group or I've done a lot of stuff for like the Healing, uh, Minnesota Healing Justice Network where I've cooked for them for different retreats. So a lot of times I'm cooking for either people like non profit people or healers Mm -hmm. or people that are health conscious and things like that. When it comes to like my regular workshops, it's a variety. It's very diverse. I've taught classes through Mississippi Market. I do a lot of private um, classes for like corporations, uh, the city, the county, the the um, a lot of organizations that we've heard of. I started doing them um, at like Lando Lakes and I've done them General Mills and for it's usually their staff. So it's like a corporate team building exercise. Or I've also done it where like a group of just people that got their friends together to mm-hmm. kind of do this cooking workshop together. And what does that tell you? Like this this broad range of people all interested in learning how to cook and, and wanting to do it in a group setting. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> That's interesting. That people want to learn, right? They want to learn from others. They want to be inspired. They want to break bread together. They want to build like that community together. I think cooking together is like a really great way to do that. Like we can do work in the garden. We can do work in the, you know, on the farm or we can do other activities. But when we can actually like cook together and then enjoy that meal that we made, like I feel like that's just the uh, quintessential like team building (laughs) exercise. And you know, we've, uh, what well, I said, like today we're doing Hennepin County and that's virtual. So we can do it virtually where I, I'm in my kitchen, I'm cooking, I've got the can, I got an overhead camera looking down, I've got the side camera, they're seeing all the things. I get a lot of questions, you know, we, you know, we can have, when you're virtual, you can have hundreds of people participating. We send the recipes the out in advance. Home. Yes. I love that. And then they can cook along. And I, I, a lot of times I'll throw a curveball, like, I know the recipe said this, but I'm, I'm usually like the recipes for y'all. I'm just cooking in my <laughs> kitchen. You know what I mean? So that's, that's the, the love of food piece. And then with the other part with the Healthy Roots Institute is the business of food. And so that's where we work with professionals, culinary professionals, as well as entrepreneurs. So I have a culinary training program called Vocal, um, built it and ran it for two years with the Good Acre. And then this year recently acquired that program. And so now running it in collaboration with the Good Acre. So no longer an employee. Now I'm a collaborator with them. And, and it's so free training. Yes. Yeah, so and right. And today we're just releasing a new training, a new free um, training uh a series of workshops called vocal cultivations. And so vocal, the vocal program is like a longer, you know, 16 week program where there's hands on training, there's hybrid learning, there's guest chefs, there's lectures, there's survey certifications, and then they go into an internship and that's like a 16 week. Well, we wanted to kind of in the transitional period, kind of start out with something a little lighter. So we're creating a four part series called vocal cultivations. And it's really focused on getting people in 
into the kitchen. It's just once a week we're getting together. There's a lecture involved and then we get into the kitchen. We're cooking together and it's focused on scratch cooking, local sourcing and really sustainability of our food system. But you're training people to get jobs. Then. We're training people to get jobs. We're, well, this training is, mm-hmm. is for people who are in that have been in for at least three months and kind of giving them to some um, continuing education, mm-hmm. skills development in scratch cooking, especially when you're new in the industry. Sometimes you don't get that opportunity because it's like you get, you go to work and it's like, go, go, go. And you just got to get right. the job done. This is giving them an opportunity to kind of get into a, a space of kind of learning some different techniques and then being able to take them back to where they're at and, and um, apply them. And so we do the continuing education piece. And then vocal is really meant for people who are new or trying to get into the food industry. Let's take another phone call before awesome. we take a news break. As we talk about food and cooking food, we have Chef Lachelle Cunningham with us, uh, who uh, owns a catering business and does a lot with food education as well. 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. Let's go to St. Paul, where I live in St. Paul. Evan's on the phone. Hey, Evan, what do you want to tell us? Hey, Evan. Hi, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak. Uh, I wanted to kind of echo some of the statements that uh, you and some of the other callers have made about, you know, having a great connection and connection to the land is something that I find very integral to our cooking style. Uh, I'm a late to life hunter. I'm a, a, a city slicker uh, who was oh. born and raised in the city. <laughs> and I married someone who was from a little more of a rural area. And I've learned that there's such a great joy and sometimes a difficulty, but a, a great joy in terms of, you know, being able to ethically harvest, whether it's venison or waterfowl or even bear, we've had the opportunity combining that with other foraging opportunities like chanterelles that we've gotten mm-hmm. on public land or morels can create just such delicious meals and such a sense of satisfaction and connection to the land, uh, which is something that we found very valuable and, and very enjoyable as we've kind of merged from kind of just not having that in our life prior. Um, so just, I, I know you had mentioned that you were a budding sports person uh, and there's some other kind of, you know, the joy of going on picking basil and stuff. And, and I think there's, you know, that's how we have found an additional connection to the land is knowing exactly where our food comes from, having the opportunity to use everything that we can from an animal and to respect it and to make sure that we are doing uh, everything we can to respect the animal by consuming everything that we possibly can. Mm, thank I, you, Evan. I appreciate that. And uh, Lachelle, a lot of people may have seen you uh, recently. Uh, you were featured in the Star Tribune because you went turkey hunting. Yeah. And it was an event for the yeah, first time. Yeah, it was a whole thing. Um, <laughs> let, let's talk about that. Why this new interest in hunting and learning how to hunt? Yeah. So Mar- Modern Carnivore, who brought me on to, up to the Boundary Waters, uh, Mark, who, who runs that, uh, we ended up reconnecting when I bought my building over my commercial kitchen over um in South Minneapolis in George Floyd Square. The reason why is because the my insurance agent was on his production crew when we filmed Fish Out of Water. Mm-hmm. And he, so he's my insurance agent. I'm buying a building. I'm getting it insured. While we're on the phone, he's like, yeah, I just talked to Mark, for you know. And so that's how we ended up reconnecting. And then when we got together, we we're like, oh, we should do stuff together because, you know, I'm into the foraging thing. Modern Carnivore is about bringing um, more diversity to hunting, fishing, and foraging. And so it was like a natural kind of... um synergy that we wanted to create around that. And then this opportunity to go on this turkey hunt in Idaho came up and, you know, it was like, uh, 
send me to Idaho, like black woman in Idaho. Like I, I you know, I was like, uh, like, how do I, it was like, Without experience do I say hunting. no? Like, yeah. I didn't want to say no, but yeah, of course I had a lot of anxiety and just fears around what that might be like. Wasn't sure if anybody would look like me, what that, if I was going to encounter some weird stuff. But, um, I, so we worked it out where Mark would be there. And then also we ended up, um, having, uh, another a woman food business entrepreneur who teaches butchery classes out of my kitchen. She ended up coming. So it was like the chef and the butcher hunting together. And, um, it was quite the experience. I did not get a turkey. I was oh. able to take a shot at two shots at one or more than one. But, <laughs> But I did not get it. Now, turkey hunting is super difficult. Like for a first time hunt, it's not surprising that I didn't come home with the turkey. You actually have to like aim at their neck and all kinds of stuff like that. But, um, you know, but you and, want more people to try this. Why? Well, I mean, especially so first of all, just understanding like your your food doesn't just come from the grocery store. There's a whole process that comes along with it. And it doesn't mean you have to become a hunter. But me as a chef, I wanted to experience that of, you know, just getting deeper into what it what it's like to mm-hmm. really have that connection to to the full circle, you know, the full right. circle of mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to say it wrong, but, you know, like hunting for my food and catch and getting it and uh, uh, dressing it, uh, breaking it down, harvest, you know, all everything that needs to be done and then utilizing that entire um, harvest. You know what I mean? And and appreciating that, like people think it's not about being violent or running around in the forest with guns. It's really about it's it's like about a deeper connection and an appreciation for the animal. Like I honestly like turkeys are annoying. Everybody, everybody that saw me out there, like, can you come and get these turkeys in the hood? Like, cause you know that we have wild turkeys running all over the city and I, they were annoying to me and like, Oh, and they're ugly. And you know, but once I went on the hunt, like I have an appreciation, like, you know, they got the, 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 the waddle, the, whatever that thing the is. Beard, the beard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, they're not like the most attractive looking animal. And so, um, but I learned a lot about them, how they're so smart. They can hear and see really, really well. They have uh, just, they're actually quite a majestic animal. So this Thanksgiving will be different for you. It's definitely I can already tell. Different. It won't be the same. All right. Let's see who's on the phone. Let's take a phone call from Letitia in Minneapolis. Good morning, Letitia. What do you want to tell us? Grand Rising, I just want to let everyone know if you haven't took any of her classes, what are you waiting for? Oh. Sign up today. <laughs> um, I, Tell she's me. She's an amazing teacher. What? I took one of her food business classes last year yes. while I was nine months pregnant. Oh, Letitia! And <laughs> hi! Hey, Grand Rising! <laughs> you were nine months she pregnant? Made, she was. Yes. She said, I'm going to have this baby the, in this class, and she did. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but she made the experience so magical. She's Aww. definitely, um, she definitely gives you a lot of information in and out. She had me second thinking about opening up a food restaurant. <laughs> but she definitely keeps, um, you know, me going. I'm still manifesting my plant based vegan restaurant that I want to have in Minneapolis. Um, but I just want Lachelle to know you are definitely one of my role models. Um, you have done a lot for our community and you're still continuing on. And it just gives hope for women that look like us um, that you can you can go forward and reach your dreams and, you know, 
there's there's no there's no stopping <laughs> there's no stopping at all uh, i appreciate that you're making me emotional thank you Letitia. <laughs> and you know Letitia, she mentioned she's like angela let's talk about entrepreneurship yeah because uh, you are an entrepreneur but you want to see more entrepreneurs absolutely. so what are you doing absolutely you know people always are like well what where's your restaurant what restaurant are you at and i'm like oh that's not just because i'm a chef that you know there's so many different career pathways when it comes to being a chef and uh, mine is is really around the entrepreneurship piece for myself and honestly like you know my dad has done a lot of um, ancestral research and found that we had ancestors you know in Oklahoma on Black Wall Street and I just feel like so inspired by that Um, and we should mention your father is Gary Cunningham longtime uh, uh, president of MEDA the Metropolitan Economic Development Association and and a leader in the the community for many many years and um, yeah so like it's in my blood you know just um the entrepreneurship piece, the meaning the helping hustle, people you know? start their own businesses. That's a whole nother level, right? It's like, I want to, I want to, yes, I want to create a business and, and be an entrepreneur and, and do my own thing and, 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 um, you know, cook for people and that type of thing. But honestly, it, it does give me even more satisfaction knowing that I've helped multiple other businesses in some way or the other, whether it was coming in to help them write their standard operating procedures or having them come through my class or teaching them a serve safe class or doing whatever I can to support, uh, you know, other entrepreneurs that are in the food industry and even people that aren't in the food industry. Um, but mostly it's all it's definitely centered around food. I, I teach a class through the Neighborhood Development Center called Planet. Um, and every spring and fall, we have a cohort of students. There's usually a, a long <laughs> waiting list for the class, especially since COVID. Like, you know, even though the food industry was one of the hardest industries it was also mm-hmm. like the biggest in- industry of new what from my perspective and experience of entrepreneurs wanting to start their businesses especially yes. after mm-hmm. that as well as um you know with the murder of George Floyd and just everybody's perspective about what they're how they're spending their time and what they're doing you know we have a mass quitting all t- people wanting to work for themselves and mm-hmm. and really for me it's about economic empowerment it's about um getting our freedom you know what i mean like even just anyone you know as a as a descendant of of people who survived slavery, right? So that's even more important for me. But just as people in this country or in this world that's trying to like make a way for yourself and your family, being an entrepreneurship is like a major way to do that for yourself, and it's a major co- contributor to our economy and just the fabric of our communities right and there's so many people with with great gifts absolutely great. and like and there's room for everybody you know what i mean and so you know mm-hmm. it's like someone was just saying in the class like you see mcdonald's and burger king across the street from each other because them being across the street from each other is good for each other like that competition is good and healthy. So just because you have a barbecue business and I have a barbecue business doesn't mean that we can't, we might have to be strategic about that. We might have to collaborate, right? How can we create more synergy with what we're doing? How can we create community around what we're doing? And I can still be doing what I do well and you can be doing what you do well and we can both be successful in that. You mentioned uh, you opened a a new commercial kitchen Mm -hmm. uh, just a block from where George Floyd was murdered and and you are cooking a half a block. Oh, Mm -hmm. so right there at the center. It's right on 38th in the middle of 38th, um, between 38th, 
37th and 38th on Chicago Avenue. So half a block across the street from where. So you're cooking and teaching out of that space. Why was it important for you to be in that location? Well, I have um, already been connected with that location. Actually, I worked out of that kitchen when uh, when it first opened up 15 years ago. We did this huge event um, called the Community Meal. Setu Jones uh, Mm. and Chef James Baker kind of put on this half a mile long dinner table on Victoria Avenue in St. Paul. And I was the sous chef. I remember seeing photos of that. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. And so uh, uh, City Food Studio was one of the kitchen. We used like three or four kitchens to get all the food because it was like 2,000 people. And so I had that first introduction to the kitchen at that time. And then after COVID hit and I was no longer at the other kitchen I was using in North Minneapolis, I ended up kind of bouncing around a little bit and I ended up settling at City Food Studio. And then um, pretty close to that time, I found out it was for sale. And so that's when I started kind of going down the process of, okay, first we were looking at a potential partner, me partnering with someone to purchase it and then kind of all this stuff transpired. I'll I'll spare you the details, but I still felt... um, I felt called to it. And so and the way that it worked out is that it happened. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it wasn't without some blood, sweat and tears and some, um, you know, late just uh, some anxieties and and things around just the process. And are they going to give it to me and all of that? And do you mm -hmm. see the kitchen there as being a place of healing? Absolutely. I mean, first of all, there's a great opportunity just because of the location, right? And there's a lot to overcome in that community um, to to really get it to a place that honors the memory of George Floyd and what happened and also is good for the businesses and the residents that are in that community. The the businesses in that community, you know, we have a lot of tourism in the space. There's constantly mm-hmm. people coming to the space, but that doesn't necessarily translate to like dollars that are being spent in the community. And so that's something that, um, you know, I want to see change. Now we have a commercial kitchen, so it's not necessarily you can come in as a restaurant, but we could probably maybe get that way to where, you know, one of my goals would be to to have a, a way for deliver up you know uh, ordering and pickup and, and delivery and things like that from some of the vendors that do that out of the space but you know and just ultimately everything I do with supporting food businesses and entrepreneurs teaching serve safe teaching planet like I want this to be you know a a, a space that that can continue to support that work um and then just in within the space itself like what can we do so yes we're 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 supporting entrepreneurs that need to use the space for their business we're providing them with trainings but also providing bringing the community into the space through cooking mm-hmm. workshops and training uh, that that piece around cooking together building together and how can we kind of create this um, you know, ecosystem around healing and around mm-hmm. food and around entrepreneurship and and cooking, right? And so there's just so much that, um, so much potential that this space has. So yes, right now we are um, going to be running the vocal cultivations cohorts out of the kitchen space, and it's still enough space where other kitchen users can still can come in, um, come in and do and do their stuff. Let's let's take a phone call from a yeah. listener in Rochester who's been waiting. This is Helen. Hi, Helen. Why don't you want to uh, talk to us about as we talk about food? Well, Chef has been uh, saying all of my keywords. Um, <laughs> yeah, awesome. cooking, fresh, local, collaboration, entrepreneurship. Yes. Um, I've done 
all of that around those words. But the only thing I haven't done is go to culinary school. So um, everything you've been talking about is resonating with me and is totally my language. And I'm actually on the road right now, um, pulled over, of course. But uh, heading north, um, every Tuesday I transport local produce from uh, southern Minnesota farms up to the metro. So I'm bringing things to... uh, um, a farm-to-table restaurant in Minneapolis today. Oh, wow. And Helen, I heard that you have a, a summer squash situation. You got a lot of squash? Oh, because of, of this um, side hustle I do hauling <laughs> uh, produce, I have access to a lot of wonderful things all year round. And right now, I have way too much summer squash. And mm. I'm an excellent improv cook. Um, I can make fabulous things out of nothing. And right now, I just have too much summer squash, and I need some <laughs> okay. creative ideas what to do. All right. Uh, what can you tell us about summer squash? What could she do with all that? Man, okay. So I would definitely probably break it all up and do some different things with all of that. Like a quarter of this goes to that. I don't know how much you actually have. Can I would she, probably she do free some. She could. Well, I would say with the summer squash, I'd probably go more like the dehydration route, like making the chips that I talked about with the eggplant. That would be great with the summer squash. Um, You could do, um, you know, I'm thinking about pickling. Um, You know, I mean, there's all I would definitely be giving a lot of that away because summer squash is not necessarily one of those things that will freeze super well just because of the water content. It'll be Mm -hmm. different once you thaw it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, but, you know, there's there's are there things you can blend it into? I love making a lot of like spreads and different veggie spreads. And now if you like blend it into a spread, then you could freeze the spread. You know what I mean? Um, and so, you know, there's, there's, but this might be preser- the one to give away. This is what she's doing. I would give some yeah. of it away. I would probably make like, uh, uh, squash chips. I would probably make a big stew that I could freeze, right? Mm-hmm. With squash in it. Um, you could smoke some of it, you know, like I would start exploring. I was st- honestly at that point with squash because it's kind of just this vegetable that's probably best fresh. I would probably start Googling some like preservation techniques as well. Like what else can you do with it? I'd love to hear if there are other people that, you know, have, have done a lot with squash. All right. Uh, Lachelle, my mm-hmm. personal question, in our last 30 seconds, mm-hmm. what's up with the coconut cornbread? How do I get coconut flavor in the cornbread? So it's actually coconut cornbread because I use coconut oil as oh, the fat. Instead of butter. Instead of butter, butter. or oil. Yes, coconut oil. And what does that do? It just creates this oh. very moist uh, bread. Um, it has a di- it doesn't taste like coconut per se to me, but it's a slightly different. It has a slight. I mean, it has a little coconut okay. flavor, but it's not coconut oil. Doesn't really taste super coconutty, mm-hmm. but it has a really great flavor that goes well. That lends well to this like baked product. I love to use it in baking a lot because it it adds this moisture and and velvetiness to it. You've given me so many ideas. I'm so sad we're out of time. I, I have to say goodbye to you, but I know you have many things to do. I, <laughs> I love that you are sharing your love and your 
your um, just your your talents with so many Absolutely. other people. Can We've I been, say one last thing? Uh, yeah, in five seconds. Hit us up for catering. We also do catering. Shell's Kitchen. All right. I love it. Lachelle Cunningham, <laughs> uh, Chef Lachelle Cunningham here with us in the studio. This conversation produced by Maya Beckstrom today and made possible in part by the Minnesota Legacy Amendments Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. For more on our North Star Journey series, go to mprnews.org and look for the North Star Journey link. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning at nine. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.